0: I want, to, uh, I want to springboard off one single verse of the Bible here today to get into the topic that Jesus really spent a lot of time with at that, that last supper with his disciples. Let me give you the, the verse here in just a second. Let me tell you why I want to do it first. It's because I, I think I can arguably say that I've single-handedly seen no other topic that has more confusion surrounding it and more misconceptions surrounding it and, honestly, more deception surrounding it. Certainly in what Jesus calls the world, but also within the Christian church. And so in, in the spirit of thinking of these, these final words of Jesus with his disciples as a last will and testament, let me kind of phrase it that way. Let me just share it with you. And it's John fourteen six. but here's what Jesus says. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a lot packed in there. I mean, you know, at at, at one hand, I am the way. The way to what? Well, what, what Jesus has been making clear is He is the way to God, He is the way to heaven. I am the way, I am the way to God, I am the way to heaven, or as Jesus talks about it, I am the way to new life, eternal life, life of the age to come, the kind of life that I promise, both here and then. Jesus says, I'm the way to that. He says something else, he says, I'm the truth. That what I'm telling you is the truth. It's it's, it's not just a good idea. It's not just my spin on things. It's not just my take or my opinion I'm not even just saying the truth. I am the truth, Jesus is saying. I mean, I am the living incarnate embodiment of what truth is. And he says, of course, I am the life. I am the very one who provides a connection with God, heaven, eternal life that begins today. Jesus says that's found in me. Those are all wonderful promises and wonderful things to say. But then he also says this to make sure it's really kind of drilled down deep. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a really hard passage for a lot of people. It's a really hard thing for some people to grasp. Wait a minute. There's there's so many people in the world that unless they're connected to Jesus, they won't have the way to God. That's what Jesus is saying. Unless... They don't listen to the truth of who Jesus is and and what Jesus is saying, that they won't have God. Yes, that's what Jesus is saying. Unless they come to Jesus, they won't have heaven, life. That's what Jesus is saying. I mean, I'm standing here today saying it, but I want to make really sure off the bat that, that, that this is just not an opinion I'm spinning here from the stage. I'm just, I'm just reading the words. I'm just showing you what Jesus says. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, to God, except through me. It's not the only time the Bible talks like this. Jesus talks like this a lot. The Bible talks like this a lot. It's not just one rogue idea. It's kind of like, mm, man, ground zero of of, of his message. I'm going to show you three passages today. I'm going to let them camp on the screen for the most part. But keep referencing them. Keep looking at them. The first we just looked at together. Here's another way that it's kind of put. In Acts chapter 14, an early follower of Jesus, a man named Peter, one who heard Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. you know when I say he heard it, I mean he actually heard it from Jesus' own lips because he was there. He was one of the 12 at that meal. Later, when Peter is being threatened for giving witness to Jesus, this is how he replies. He goes, salvation is found in no one else. It's almost like he's going, do your worst to me because I, 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 I'm saved because of him. Salvation is found in no one else. And here it is again. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now, you can argue with me if you want, but I think if we take him at his word, he's basically saying there is one way to God, there is one way to heaven, there is one way to be saved, and that's Jesus alone. Here's another verse, John 10. Well, a package. And it's worth mentioning too. Look at what Jesus says here. And he, and he says it to Pharisees. you know who Pharisees are? They were like the premier religious leaders of Jesus' day. Man, people looked at the Pharisees and went, these are people who are close to God. These are people who know God. These are people who have given their life to God. These are good people. You know some good people in your life? They ain't got nothing on a Pharisee. There's good people. <laughs> and then there's Pharisees because they bent their life around being good and obeying God. And Jesus says this to the Pharisees, who, to fill in a blank, were considered shepherds, if you will, of God's sheep. Jesus says to them, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate But climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. So someone who tries to get to God, who gets to heaven, someone who's trying to be with God or be in heaven, come into the sheep pen. Are you with me? Someone who tries to do that but doesn't come in by the gate But tries to get to God some other way is a thief. And a robber. Someone who comes and tells you something, or tries to lead you to God or to heaven by some other way is a thief and a robber. That's what Jesus is saying. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So who's the gate? Well, Jesus says, I'm the gate. Who's the shepherd of the sheep? Anyone who gives a message, claims a statement, or tries to lead people to God in some way. What kind of shepherd are they? I don't know. Some are thieves and robbers. But if they come through Jesus, well, it's something different. Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. It's a pretty exclusive claim to make. Would you agree? Because we live in a time where to claim something like this is not only unpopular, but it's hated. We live in a time where we're taught to believe that it's the sincerity of what you believe that matters. That everyone's belief is equally valid. That all ideas are honoring to God. And it's the quality by which you believe them that ultimately leads you to salvation. But I just want to share with you that that's something Jesus did not share with his disciples. In fact, he had something very different to say. Jesus made a very, very, very exclusive claim the only way to God, the only way to heaven. The only way, as Christians will say it, to be saved, Jesus says, is by me. And it would really seem like an exclusive claim except for one simple fact. He extends the offer to everybody. He extends the offer to God and heaven and salvation to everybody, to good people, but also to very, very bad people. He extends it to Christian people, but also to Muslims and Jews and Hindus and Buddhists and agnostics and atheists and every other combination of belief system that exists in any day and age. He he extends it to middle-class suburbanites in America. He extends it to people in the barrios in Latin America. He extends it to people in China and Africa and India. He extends it to people in 2023 A.D. He extends it to people in 1900 A.D., 14 and 10 and 400 A.D., or in 33. And he'll keep extending it to people until he comes again. It is a very exclusive claim, but that is seeking to include everybody. Jesus saw this as something so central, so important that you don't want to miss this, that it was among the final words he shared with his disciples that night. Because I'll tell you this, there is nothing more important in this world than knowing how to be with God. How to get to heaven. How to have the life Jesus offers. How to be saved. So, thinking of ways to illustrate this. To illustrate the way that Jesus sets himself up over and against the worldview that exists in our culture today. Today. His exclusive claim over and against this idea that all that matters is sincerity. I want to show you a video here today from the fourth greatest comedy ever created. Take a look. Now connect some dots with me. (laughs) Let's start with the opening line. What the hell are we doing in this place? In this world that's hard and broken with an inevitability of death? What are we doing here? Is there not something greater? Something to yearn for, something good that is other and beyond, which at best is the joys of a life now and at worst the terrors of it. Jesus says there is. But unlike Lloyd, Jesus calls it heaven, not Aspen. (laughs) And since humanity began, people have been trying to find the way. Now let me ask you this today. Do you believe that Lloyd was sincere in his choice in his attempt to get to Aspen. Would you you agree? Everything seems to indicate that, doesn't it? He's a nice guy. He's got a good heart. He has a sincere desire to go somewhere, but did his sincerity trump the reality of his decision? No. As sincere as Lloyd was, he did not end up where he wanted to go. God wasn't judging him. The universe isn't out to get him. We just live in a place where there's something called reality. Which means there are consequences for the choices we make. And even if they are well-intended choices, if they are the wrong choices, they do not lead to life, they lead to death. They do not lead to heaven, they lead to hell. They do not lead to God, they lead away. No matter how sincerely we might believe or want it to be otherwise, would you agree with me that reality is real? And if we know that in life as it exists around us, how much more should we expect that to be true with the most important things of life, which are the things of God? That there are realities. And no matter how sincere or how much we want it to be otherwise, there are consequences within those realities. And Jesus is telling his disciples don't be deceived. There's false shepherds out there. There's other ways offered out there. There's many roads that claim to lead to heaven. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the only way to Aspen. Are you with me? Let me give another illustration. About a month ago, my oldest daughter, Reagan, was diagnosed with cancer. Many of you know this. And to the many of you who have outpoured your support and your prayers upon her and our family, thank you so much for that. I don't say that lightly. You have meant the world to us. And more so, Jesus says your prayers matter. And within them, Jesus says God's work will be done. That God will hear. You know, we're at a juncture in the family of trying to figure out what the next step is. I mean, we we, we kind of know, but there are different options being laid out. There's a few different kinds of chemo, and the doctors are trying to determine which is the right one. There was a promise of another surgery and whether that would be the most effective route. Would you agree with me that some of these choices might be better than others? And that as sincerely as we may choose to take one chemo because we like it more, the reality is it might not be the one that gets the job done. And that the consequences are real. Or what if we were to approach it this way? to say that I just believe that essential oils is going to be the ticket to healing. So let's put chemo aside and let's just rub ourselves with essential oils. I know people who sincerely think that way. And maybe, maybe there is actually something good in essential oils. Maybe they actually do have somewhat of a positive effect. I'm not denying that. But would you agree with me that believing that essential oils will heal my daughter's cancer will make them heal my daughter's cancer? Sincerity is a beautiful, wonderful thing, but sincerity is not reality. Jesus is telling his disciples we live in a world of reality, and reality comes with very real consequences. There are so many paths being offered to get to God. But Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And the stakes are high. Are you kind of with me in this? This is not just a struggle for people who do not call themselves Christian and who do not gather in churches. The world is filled with people offering many paths and many ways to God saying this will work or all things are true. No, I see it happening in the church too. Look, you who are gathered here today, please hear me on this. Being a Christian will not get you to God. Joining a church will not get you to God. Coming to church on Sunday will not get you to God. Being a good person will not get you to God. You can't be good enough to get to God. Jesus is the only one who can get you to God. And I think the struggle is often even more for people like us who gather in places like this because we can deceive ourselves because we call ourselves the right title like Christian and come to what we perceive to be the right places like church that that is the same as going through Jesus. And I'm here to tell you it's not. Church is not Jesus. The labels by which you call yourself are not Jesus. The constructs you set around them are not Jesus. Do you know who is Jesus? Jesus. And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Oh, the deception I see that Christians immerse themselves in, thinking that because they've been baptized or because they label themselves as a Christian, because I'm a Christian now, and that's what I put on my census form, or that's what I tell my family, that I'm saved, no, no way. People who come to places like this, maybe it's you. And because you feel really good and you like coming here that you think that's evidence that God has work in your life, maybe, but that's not the way to heaven. Because maybe what you really like is the coffee and the music and your friends. I see people who serve. And they think that they're giving their life to God but what they're giving their life to is a worship team or a coffee bar or a children's ministry. And as soon as that begins to slip they wonder why their faith starts to fade. Because they're seeking to get to God through a ministry. When Jesus says I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except by me. Look, It's Jesus' words, not mine. Do you want God? Do you want life? I mean, the kind of life that he offers. Do you want heaven? It's Jesus. That's it. It's the only way to get there, which, of course, begs the question. So, like, how do I go through a person to get to God, right? Like, I I don't hang out with him on the weekends. I'm not sitting there in the upper room talking to him. It's not like Peter was like, okay, let's hold hands and we like apparate together and go there. Like, like how does it actually work? Well, maybe it's best to use Jesus' language right from his own mouth. This is how he'll say it in John chapter 3. The way to get to God through me, the way that it works is like this. You must be born again. Which doesn't really help, does it? Because how do I know if I'm born again? It's really better to translate it this way, to be born from above, which is kind of a way of saying, of being born of heaven, being born of God. If you think of God as above, I need to be born of God. God needs to work a new life in me. God has to do the work of saving me. And that's what God will do through Jesus, And Jesus will use other words like this to describe how to access it. To believe on me. To trust in me with your life and destiny and salvation. To throw yourself on my mercy. Or simply put, as he puts in other gospels, to repent. To turn to me. The way that you receive what God is doing through Jesus is simply to trust in Jesus for your salvation. That sounds easy. But it can become one of the most frightening things you will ever do because if you take time to consider it, you are banking your eternal destiny on your choice. And it has consequence. All of us, whether we do it actively or passively, and even not making a choice is a choice to not make a choice, are making a bet with our eternal destiny. And if I can kind of say this in my own words, Jesus says this place your bets in me. Dare to trust me, not in your own goodness not in your right affiliation and participation, not in other paths and other ways and other beliefs that are being offered. Jesus says this, come to know who I am and dare to put your trust in me. Receive me, Jesus says, who I am, what I teach, what I do. Dare to receive me and their Right there, God will do His work to bring you to Him, to heaven, to life, and to salvation. Those are the last words, the last will and testament, the final things Jesus wants. People to remember because it matters a lot and if you are here today seeking God fearing that you're far from God or trying to get to him by some other mechanism whether of or in yourself or something out there May I encourage you, as Jesus encouraged people, turn to Him as the way and the truth and the life. You will come to the Father through Him. So there's a song that we're going to sing. And at first blush... The dots might not connect, but like the video, if you take a moment to think about it, it becomes an incredible description of what I've just shared with you today. It's a song all about Jesus being the way and the truth and the life and the way to salvation and God in heaven and all the rest. And here's what I would like you to do today. Well, first stand cuz we we got to stand when we sing. It's just not right. Here's what I'd like you to do today. Through these words and the emotions and the song and the gathering together, make it more than just a good tune. Make it a call to faith. Make it a cry of response. Make it a statement by which you sing out or shout out, Jesus, I I dare to trust and put my faith in you.